Good morning. My name's Pastor Mike. I'm the Karen Connections Pastor here at Grace, and I'm just excited to be able to continue this series that we are in. We're in a series, Get Off the Bus. And what we've been doing is we've been challenging you in different areas of your life to step out of something. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's comfort, it's complacency, it's safety. And we're asking you to step into uh, maybe what God has in store for you. See, the bus oftentimes is, uh, is just really nice and cozy. And it's really nice to, to stay in this place because it doesn't really require a whole lot uh, of me. You know, it's, it's warm in here and, and it's safe in here and it's, it's comfortable comfortable in here, but here's what we need to understand, that change doesn't happen inside of the bus. Do you ever realize that? Change doesn't happen inside of the bus. It happens when we get off the bus. And today we're going to continue our series, Get Off the Bus, and I'm going to challenge you this morning to get off the bus and choose a winning attitude. Choose a winning attitude attitude. I'm wearing Brian Dawkins jersey here this morning. And uh, Brian Dawkins played for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles for 13 years. And then he, he played uh, his final three years in the NFL for the Den- Denver Broncos. And uh, Brian Dawkins is just an incredible, has an incredible attitude. He's a man of God. And he led his team on the field and off the field. Uh, matter of fact, Brian Dawkins, this was the first year that he was eligible to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, and if you follow Sports Center, you know yesterday that he didn't get enough votes this year, but hopefully uh, next year he'll be, he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's definitely worthy. But he, he said this about our attitude. Check out this quote, Brian Dawkins. He said this. He said, your work ethic and your attitude are two things that you control, that you can control. Your, your work ethic and your attitude are two things that you can control, and they'll get you more opportunities in your lifetime than your talent alone. How true that is. See, our attitudes make a huge difference in the lives of the people that we come in contact with and in our own lives. Attitudes matter, and your attitude matters. I remember a couple of years ago, um, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were in the playoffs. And I, I know that surprises some of you. I, I know uh, we don't make it to the playoffs very often, but this year we did. And it was a couple of years ago. And I was so excited that the Eagles were in the playoffs. that I decided to make some hot wings to celebrate the game. And so a couple hours before the game, I, I decided to whip out my my secret hot sauce recipe and I got my pan out and I filled it with oil and I put it on our gas stove and I heated up the oil on our stove and it got good and hot, you know, like you want your oil to be. And I dropped the chicken into the oil on our stove and Before uh, I I could really, um, you know, get very far in the process, the oil started spritzing all over the place. And uh, at first, I was kind of upset that, you know, my wife was not going to be real happy that I'm making a mess of her her stove with all the oil. But then I got really concerned when the oil started bubbling over the pot and onto the top of the stove and onto the flame that was underneath 
the pot of oil and beef, just, just like that, I have a fire in my kitchen and the flames are, are bouncing off the ceiling of my kitchen. And I, I, I reacted just in the only way that I knew how in the moment. Don't judge me, but I grabbed the pot with this hand and I grabbed a hot mitt with this hand and I grabbed the pot and I just ran through the house and I opened the door and I tossed it out in the yard. That's how we handle it. The Silliman house. The only thing was about, it took about 30 seconds and I realized that my hand really hurts. Like, really hurts. And I, I looked down at my hand and it was red and, and I could tell this is not good. Like, this is not good. And so my wife took me to the ER and uh, I got treated for pretty significant burns on, on my hand. And while I was laying there in the pain that burns bring, you guys get that pain. Some of you that have, have had some burns. I, I got to rehash. I got to play Monday morning quarterback with, with how I handled the wing situation. And, and I, I came to the conclusion that what an idiot I was on a, a whole different, uh, a whole bunch of levels, you know, and, and I began to rehash all of the things that I could have, should have done differently. And if I were to ever make wings again, which that'll never happen because my wife won't allow me to, uh, <clears throat> we buy them now at the store. But if I ever were to make wings again, that there would be some things that I would do differently. But here's, here's the reality. See, I found myself in a circumstance that was brought about by who? By me. Like, I had nobody else to blame. Uh, it was my own stupidity that brought me to this painful consequence that, that I was in. And so because of that, I was able to have a pretty good attitude about it. I, I had a learning attitude about the consequence I, I was in. And, and you're probably the same way. Like, you know, if you, if you do something foolish in your life to bring about some consequences, I'm sure you're able to have a better attitude uh, about that hopefully, then, then uh, uh, you know, uh, times when you find yourself in a circumstance when, when you, it was really out of your control. And, and, and there are times, there are moments in our lives when we face circumstances or we find ourselves in a, a situation or a negative consequence, check it out, that we did everything right. Like there, were, there was nothing we would have done or could have done differently to bring about the consequence. See, when, when we're faced with those types of situations in our lives, it's a lot different, isn't it? To, to maintain a really good attitude uh, about it. Uh, you know, and sometimes it's uh, little things that happen in our lives and sometimes it's, it's bigger things. You know, I remember... Um, uh, Pastor John and Tara and our family, we went out uh, to a restaurant one time after church to enjoy lunch together. And we were there and ordered our food. And there was a guy that ordered his, his food and it wasn't what he had ordered. They had messed up his order, right? They had messed up his order. And this guy went berserk. Like I, I'm, I'm, I've never seen someone respond in this way to an order that was, was messed up. He threw his tray of food on the ground. I'm talking food went everywhere. His drink went everywhere. He's cussing and yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs because somebody messed up his food order. 
And I couldn't believe it. And nobody could believe it. We were all standing there kind of like, what, what, what just happened? And I went over and I put my arm on Pastor John's shoulder. And I said, Pastor John, like, they, they just messed up your food order. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It wasn't Pastor John. I'm just kidding. But it's a true story. And this guy went berserk. And, and, and John and I felt so bad for the people that had to clean it up. We literally went over and, and just helped him, you know, helped him pick up, uh, you know, everything off the floor and helped him clean, clean it up. And, and you know, maybe, maybe uh, you're laughing about that. But, you know, maybe when you go to a restaurant and, and you don't quite get the service that you want, you're tempted to go on Facebook, aren't you? And, and like, uh, you know, do this long hashtag. You know, my order got screwed up and yours probably will too, so don't go here, right? Right? It's, it's, it's really hard at times when we find ourselves in a circumstance that we didn't bring about ourselves, And it's hard to, to, to maintain a good positive attitude. Now, that's something minor, like something getting our, our order messed up is, is minor. But what happens when something major happens in our lives? And you're on the receiving end of a negative consequence that you didn't deserve? How do you, how do you respond when you're, you're grossly, grossly mistreated? How, how do you respond? How's your attitude when uh, you are treated unfairly, when your reputation is, is drugged through the, through the dirt, through the mud, your, your character is being called into question? How about this, parents? How do you respond when your kids are being mistreated or treated unfairly. See, it's, it's a lot more difficult to maintain a positive attitude in that situation, isn't it? And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where two people, just like you and just like me, were found themselves in a situation, in a, in a consequence, and, and they did everything right. They did everything right, yet they found themselves in uh, just a horrible set of circumstances. And they had to make a decision, just like you and I have to make a decision. Every single time we find ourselves in situations like this. And the decision that they had to make is this. Am I going to respond in a way that the world expects me to, or am I going to respond in a way that God wants me to? And the result of that and the choice that we make and the attitude that we choose in that moment can have a ripple effect of gigantic proportions. And so turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. We would love to put one in your hand. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to read a passage of Scripture together. And so raise your hand if you need a Bible. Ushers would be glad to give one to you. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to look at, uh, begin reading verses 16. And we're going to read through verse 24 together. Acts chapter 16 uh, begins at verse 16. And so if you, uh, if you found that in your Bible, go ahead and stand to your feet. And uh, we're going to read this out loud together. Just to give you a little bit of context, Paul and Silas were missionaries. God saved them radically. And uh, they were on a missionary journey in Europe 
right now. There was no churches yet established in, in Europe, and uh, there would soon be, through Paul and through Silas and their ministry here, uh, but uh, they are missionaries, and, and they uh, found themselves in the town of Philippi, and uh, let's read what happened, beginning at verse 16. Ready? Read. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. You may have a seat. If there ever was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, this would qualify. This, this would be that day. If anyone at all had legitimate reason to slightly have a little bit of a bad attitude, it would be Paul and Silas in this situation. I mean, think about it. They're missionaries. They've given their lives for the cause of Christ. They've given their lives to go out and, and be obedient to, to the call that God has placed on their life. And here they were, and they were preaching the name of Jesus, and, and uh, they were on their way to a prayer meeting. They were on their way to prayer encounter. And uh, not to mention, they, they gave a girl her life back. I mean, think about that. They gave this slave girl her freedom from the bondage of sin, a brand new identity in Christ. How did they get repaid? By being stripped of their clothes, completely naked and humiliated. Being dragged into the center of town, not given a fair trial whatsoever, beaten with rods, an an, uh, entire city turned against them and thrown into the darkest prison cell that they could find in chains. That's a bad day. That's a really bad day. Put yourself in, in their circumstance. I mean, here you are. You're, you're in a, a prison cell and your feet and your arms are, are shackled in chains and you, you didn't do anything to bring about this other than being obedient to Jesus Christ. And here you are, you have uh, blood 
um, that is running down your face and your arms and your legs, and you are hurting in places that you probably didn't even realize uh, you could hurt in, right? And and you're 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 placed in in a, a prison cell, a dark prison cell. You didn't deserve it. You didn't bring about these circumstances and the consequences that you find yourself in. But here's what I want you to know this morning. See, we will either be chained to our circumstances. We'll either be chained to our circumstances or we will allow God to change us through our circumstances. We'll either be chained to our circumstances that we find ourselves in, or we will allow God to change us through our circumstances. How would you react if, if you were Paul and Silas, if you were in that situation and you were treated unfairly? Uh, I, I would like to think that I would respond in a positive way. But then there are parts of me that, if I'm, I'm being honest, that, that uh, you know, I might be questioning God in that moment. I might be saying, God, you know, what in the world are you doing? Like, God, I was following you. I was, I've, I've been obedient to you. I, I've done everything that you've asked me to do, God. And God, you're, you're, you're powerful. I, I know that. I believe that, but I find myself in this situation and, 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 and maybe that's would be, that would be kind of the, what would be playing through your mind. Maybe you would be planning as you're kind of rolled up into a, a fetal position in the corner of the jail cell, kind of licking your wounds. Maybe, maybe you would be planning what you're going to do to the people that sent you to prison once you get out. Maybe you'd be planning your revenge. Maybe, maybe you would be rehashing all of the ways that you've been treated so unfairly. And, and you would just be allowing that to replay over and over and over in your mind. Would your mind be consumed with, with anger and bitterness in that moment if you found yourself in a situation like that? Would that be the end of doing things God's way? Like, that's it. The last time I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Or would you choose to have an attitude in that moment that would honor God? See, we will either be chained to our circumstances or we will allow God to change us through our circumstances. Uh, take a look at verse 25, and let's see how Paul and Silas responded to the circumstance that they were in. Verse 25 says, about what time? Midnight. About midnight. Just when the pain starts to really set in, okay? The darkest hour of the night. Here it is, about midnight. Paul and Silas, what were they doing? They were praying and what else were they doing? They were singing hymns to God. Wow. That's mind blowing, isn't it? Like that, that is just completely mind blowing to me. I, I, I would like to think that that would be my response to the situation that I'm, I'm in. They weren't at all responding in the way that the world would expect them to in that situation but they were responding in a way that God wants them to in that situation. I bet you they, they sang every song that they knew. 
you know? And if they were like me, they sang really loudly the parts that I knew, mostly just the chorus, right? And then they kind of hummed and made up words with the other parts, right? My kids always say, dad, don't sing the song if you don't know it. And I just like to make it up and, and just uh, make up words as I go along. But, but here they were, they were, they were, were singing and, and, and they were praising God in the middle of their circumstance. They didn't wait until the circumstance had passed. They didn't wait until their wounds healed up a little bit. They didn't wait until, you know, the blood was washed off of their, their bodies and, and their back kind of was in a better place. They didn't wait. They, they praised God right there in the middle of their circumstance. And that's an incredible thing. And the question that we, it begs the question really that we need to ask this morning, how does two people that's just suffered what they just suffered. How do two people that find themselves in a circumstance brought on not by anything that they did wrong, how do they do that? How, how, how do they have the ability to do that? Are you ready? Are you ready for the, the reason? Uh, some of you have been raised in the church a long time, okay? And you will, you will know what I'm about to do and you will respond appropriately. You got me? Okay, here we go. God is good. And all the time, yeah, answer yes or no to these, to these questions here. Answer yes or no. Is God good? Yes. Is God always good? Yes. A little weaker. Does he always give good gifts to his kids? Yes. Does God work all things together for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose? Is there any circumstance, any circumstance at all that God can't use for our good and his glory? Ooh, let's try that one again. Is there any circumstance at all that God can't use for our good and his glory? See, we respond to that Somebody in the, real, in the back, they, they really got it. But we respond to that. But here's the, here, here's, here's the deal. We say we believe that God is good. But our attitude that we choose often communicates something very different. Right? Sometimes the attitudes that we choose and how we respond to the circumstances that we find ourselves in doesn't communicate to people that are watching us that we think God is good. Matter of fact, what it does communicate oftentimes to people that are watching us and listening to us, watching us up close, watching us from a distance is that, yeah, I guess they feel like God isn't quite good enough for them in this circumstance, right? And so our attitude, our attitude communicates what we believe about God. We will either communicate that God is good in every situation or that he wasn't quite good enough for me. And and I'll tell you what, there there is something about watching and listening to somebody that's right in the middle of the pain. Like I'm talking, they, they are in the middle of a painful situation in their life. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a, a, you know, a relational struggle. And there's something that's very beautiful 
about watching someone praise God and have a, have a winning attitude when the tears of pain are still running down their, their cheeks, when the wound is just so fresh in their lives. And, I, you know, here, here's the, the reality. Both beauty and bitterness are born in the soil of circumstance. Both beauty and bitterness are born in the soil of circumstance. But we get to choose which one of those two things grow. We get to choose. I want you to watch a story of, of a guy here. We're going to show a, a video of a, of, a, of, a, of a guy that found himself in just an incredibly painful, difficult situation. Let's watch how he responded to his circumstance. Hi, my name is Zach Smith, and I am 33 years old. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Mandy, for 11 years. We have three children, Lizzie, Jake, and Luke. And this is my story. I met Jesus when I was five years old. I grew up as the son of missionary parents in Ecuador, where I lived for 15 years. I went to college in Arizona, where I met my wife. For the next 10 years, we traveled around while I worked in the information technology field. We served in our local church, and I attended seminary. I often thought about working in full-time ministry, but no opportunities seemed right. I was told about a job here at New Spring Church helping with information technology. It was perfect, an IT job at an amazing church. I took the job and started working in October of 2008. For several months, life was very good, and we were very happy. In May of 2009, at age 32, I was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. Immediately, I had surgery to remove a foot and a half of my large intestine and a lemon-sized tumor. I was told the cancer had spread to my spleen and to my liver. Chemotherapy was on the horizon. This was all a very sudden shock to me. I had always been very healthy, and I found myself very confused. Why did I have cancer? Had I done something wrong to cause it? Was this a result of many years of sinful living in my past? I was working at a church and serving God. Where did I go wrong? But thankfully, the confusion quickly turned to hope. I knew that God had a plan for my life. I did not understand why I had cancer, but I knew that God was in charge. For three months, I underwent a horrible chemo regimen. Afterwards, I had a scan done, and the results were great. There was no cancer found in my body. We celebrated God's healing and God's faithfulness. And the next few weeks of my life were some of the best as I celebrated being cancer-free. But another scan one month later showed that the cancer had reappeared, this time in my abdominal cavity. I was devastated. Why was it back? Everything was just starting to make sense, but the reoccurrence of cancer caused even greater confusion. I resumed chemotherapy and did more tests. The cancer is now growing and getting worse. Unfortunately, the chemo drugs are no longer effective in my abdomen, and surgery is not an option due to the degraded state of my liver. Medically speaking, there is nothing more for me, and medically speaking, I probably will not live to 2011. The Bible says in Matthew 7:11 that God gives good things to those who ask. God cannot give me a bad gift, and it is through that lens that I can say that cancer is the best thing that has ever happened to me. 
I am a better husband and a better dad, a better boss and a better employee, a better friend and a better follower of Jesus. And through cancer, God has shown me some amazing things about himself. Those are indeed great gifts. I still have questions about cancer, why it went away and why it came back. I do not understand, but I know that God is in charge. I am praying for God to heal me. That is my desire. I want to walk my daughter Lizzie down the aisle. I want to watch my sons, Jake and Luke, become men. I want to grow old with Mandy. And I want to live my life with my friends here at work. But I may not be able to work for very much longer. And I may have just celebrated my last Christmas with my family. This I do know. If God chooses to heal me, then God is God and God is good. If God chooses not to heal me and allows me to die, God is still God and God is still good. To God be the glory. Wow. See, both beauty and bitterness are born in the soil of our circumstance, and we get to choose which one grows. And there's something beautiful, something beautiful, something that my faith needs and your faith needs uh, is, is to see people like Zach that are able to, even, even through the difficult circumstances say that God is good. And even if God chooses not to heal me, that God is still God and God is still good. Powerful. Look at, look at verse 25. Look at verse 25 uh, again. And it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And then what does it say? The other prisoners were what? They were, they were listening to them. See, people are listening to you. They're watching you. They're watching how you react to life's circumstances. They're watching you to see how you respond when life throws you a curveball, when life throws you the diagnosis that you didn't see coming, when life treats you unfairly. There's a watching world and there's a listening world and they're watching you and they're watching me. And in our story here, you know, they're, they're listening to Paul and Silas. We like to say that they were a captive audience, right? They weren't going anywhere. They were in prison. Uh, but, but, but there's a difference between listening and listening, right? There's a difference. You know, and, 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 and I'm sure for them, they, as they were listening to the different, you know, banter going on in the jail cells around them, they, they were hearing something that was very different than what they were used to hearing in the prison. You know, normally, I'm sure in the prison, they used to hear things like, hey, what you in for? Well, I'm in for grand theft, but I didn't do it, right? I was framed. Yeah, me too, buddy, right? That's what they were used to hearing. That's what they expected to hear. 
But what they were hearing, what they were listening to, was something that caused, caused them to stand up and, and sit up straight and, and tune their ear and, and, and internalize what they were hearing because it was something beautiful. It was something that they hadn't heard before. Look at, look at verse 26. It says this. It says, suddenly there was such a violent, what happened? earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors, they flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking that's awesome for them, but I've been in this situation, this circumstance, this consequence that I didn't bring on myself and I've been praying and I've been praising and I'm waiting for the earthquake and it hasn't come, right? I, I, I'm waiting and God doesn't seem to be responding. And here's what I need to tell you this morning. Paul and Silas didn't always see the miracle either. Remember what happened to them just earlier in the day. They were beaten with rods to a bloody pulp. And I'm sure they would have loved to see God step in in that moment. I'm sure they would have loved an earthquake moment uh, in, in, that, in that moment as, as they were being, you know, just shamefully ridiculed and beaten uh, unfairly in the town square. But here's, here's what I know. I, what, what I don't know is that I don't know why God chooses to respond, uh, you know, in earthquake moments sometimes. And in other times, he seems to be silent. I, I don't know. Why, why God seems to move in, in, in some prayers that we pray and other times we pray and pray and pray and pray and it seems like God is silent. Like, I don't know why that happens, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know, that, that, that God always rewards our faith in him and sometimes, sometimes, oftentimes, we don't see the miracle. We, we don't see the miracle. Many of God's people found themselves in just really difficult situations and circumstances that could have used, they could have used an earthquake moment. Think about Stephen just a couple of chapters earlier in the book of Acts chapter 7, where he, um, he was being stoned to death for, for proclaiming the name of Jesus, for taking a stand for Jesus Christ. His reward for standing up for Jesus was, was to be stoned. And I'm sure uh, Stephen would have loved for God to send an earthquake moment in that, in that moment. But, but he didn't. He didn't. He could have benefited from an earthquake in that moment. But instead, he was rewarded with an execution. He, he, but his faith, here, here's, here's the great thing about the story of Stephen. His faith was rewarded with an incredible view of heaven at just the right moment. As he was calling out to God, God gave him an incredible picture of what heaven's going to be like in his last few moments. And he was able to die with a winning attitude, uh, really even asking God, begging God to not hold it against those who were picking up the rocks and, and throwing them at him. See, was, was, was that the miracle? Was that a miracle? Absolutely it was a miracle. You bet it was. Not to mention that Paul was there and he was witnessing that. 
before he became a follower of Christ. And, and just to think how that scene replayed over in his mind as, as Paul was listening in to Stephen and, and, and just seeing his faith in that moment. I bet that that, that just was something that, that Paul drew on through his ministry. How that must have impacted his life and his attitude as, as a follower of Christ. People are watching you. They're listening you, uh, to you. And they're, they're watching to see how you respond in that moment. Sometimes God sends the earthquake and other times he doesn't. But God is always with us in every situation, in every circumstance. Look at verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, what did he do? He, he drew his what? His sword. And what was he going to do? He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Wow. See, choosing the right attitude will determine, listen to this, whether we will be in misery or on mission. Choosing the right attitude will determine whether we see the situation that we're in as just misery and miserable or whether we see it as a mission opportunity. And Paul and Silas, their eyes were wide open because they believed and they knew enough about God to know that God didn't bring this situation into our lives for, for just no reason at all. He didn't bring it into our lives because we did anything wrong. He knew enough to know that God brought this into their lives because God intended to use it for their good and for his glory. And so their eyes were looking for the mission opportunity. When you are in the middle of a circumstance, when you are in the middle of a consequence, a difficult, painful circumstance, are you looking for where God may be moving in the lives of someone else? Because I guarantee you, God wants to use your story he wants to use the circumstance that you are going through in a powerful way in someone's life. And I am so thankful. See, here's, here's what we know about the story. When the earthquake happened, what happened to the chains? What happened to the chains when the earthquake happened? They fell off. That means Paul and Silas were free to go. They could have just hightailed it out of there. They could have said, you know what? I want to get out of this painful situation fast. And so let's get out of here, Silas. That's what Paul could have said, but they weren't so quick to, to remove themselves from the circumstance. Check this out. The removal of the chains of your circumstance is just half of the miracle. It's just half of the miracle. The removal of the chains of your circumstance, you, you stepping out and, and being free from the circumstance that you were in, that's just half of the miracle. The other half is what God wants to do through your circumstance in your life 
and in the lives of others. And here's, here's the incredible thing. If Paul and Silas would have, would have been quick to, to just find the nearest exit and leave the circumstance, they would have only saw half of a miracle. They, they would have saw half of the miracle, and here's the deal. There would have been a dead jailer that found himself in hell. But it was because they knew enough about God to know that God must be up to something. And I don't want to get out of this circumstance without trying to allow him to have some room to work in this situation. So they stayed put. They stayed put. And thank God that they did. They were able to say, oh, whoa, 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 we're still here. We're still here. Don't, don't harm yourself. And they were able to see an entire household come to Christ because they viewed their situation and their circumstance as a moment, a mission moment, not just a miserable moment. How, how, how do you view your circumstances that you're in? Some of you are in some really difficult circumstances. You find yourself right now in the middle of a difficult circumstance. Are you looking for opportunities that God may want to uh, do through you, through your faith, through your attitude in the lives of somebody that doesn't not yet know Jesus? Or are you just looking for the nearest exit? Don't be so quick to run out of your circumstance and miss out on the other half of the miracle. There's always outward fruit uh, to an inward change. When, when grace gets a hold of someone's life and Jesus changes someone in the inside, there's always this outward response. And I love, I love the outward response to, to God's grace right here. Look at verse 33 uh, and 34. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. And what did he do? He what? He, he, he washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were, were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with what? Joy, because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household, an entire household, was changed for eternity because two men like you and like me got off the bus and chose a winning attitude. See, attitudes matter. And attitudes are nothing more than habits of thought. Habits of thought. And if we want to change our attitudes, we have to change our thinking. Paul said this uh, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When we think about those things, guess what follows? A winning attitude. A winning attitude. Paul also says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's the NIV. The SMV, the social media version, says take every Facebook post and make it cap and take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? That was weak. Wait, we... we we need to take our thoughts and our attitudes and hold them captive and not release them unless they are obedient to Christ. That's what that means. And so we take those thoughts and we, we just hold them there. And what we do is we, we hold the thought up to God's word. We say, okay, this is what I'm thinking. 
this is what God's word says. My thinking doesn't line up with God's word. And so I'm not going to allow my attitude to be expressed in what I'm thinking. That's what that means. And, and we hold that thought captive until it comes in alignment and until it comes in obedient, obedience with Christ. And then we release it. And, then, and we find ourselves in that moment when we do that, having a good attitude. See, sometimes you and I, we need to preach a message to ourselves. Do you ever do that? Do you ever like know your thinking's kind of messed up and you give yourself a good old message? Do you ever do that? Preach to yourself. And I'm not talking about like a, a little quiet kind of, you know, soft spoken message to your thoughts. I'm talking about your thoughts need an attitude adjustment. You need to go Jim Brown on your thoughts. That's what I'm talking about. See, there, there, there are times when we're, we're tempted to think that our situation is impossible. And, and, and we need to take that thought captive. And we need to make it obedient to Christ. And we need to preach to ourselves. And we need to say, no, 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 no. See, Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 27, that what is impossible with man is possible with God. We need to go to church with their thoughts. That's what we need to do. See, when you're tempted to think, but I'm just too tired. I'm tired of dealing with this. Well, you need to preach to yourself. You need to say, no, 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 no. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when you're, you're tempted to think, I can't go on anymore, you need to preach to yourself and you need to say, no, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, there are times when we're tempted to think that I don't have what it takes to be content right in the middle of my circumstance. And that's where we need to go Jim Brown on our thoughts, okay? And we need to, we need to preach ourselves, and we need to preach ourselves Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Philippians 4, 13, where it says, I can do what? All things through who? Through Christ who gives me strength. See, you're tempted to think I don't have the resources to be able to do what God is asking me to do. That's when you need to, to, in your mind, take that thought captive and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and you need to say that God is able to bless me abundantly so that in all things and at all times having all that I need, I will abound in every good work because that's what God's word says about me and my situation. When you're tempted to think God won't forgive me again, I continue to bring the same sin to God time and time and time again. That's when you need to say, no, no, no. First John 1, 9 says that if I confess my sins, that he's faithful and he's just and he's going to forgive me my sins and he's going to purify me me from all unrighteousness. But my need is too great. No. Philippians 4.19 says, my God will meet all my needs according to his riches, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When I'm, when I'm tempted and I'm, I'm filled with, with 
fear in my life, that's when I need to say no. 2 Corinthians 1.7 says that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'm, I'm worried, but I'm, I'm filled with anxiety in my life and I'm, I'm filled with stress. No, First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for me. And when I'm alone, I'm going to say, no, I'm not alone because Hebrews 13, 5 is a promise to me in the middle of my circumstance, that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Friends, we will either be, we will either be chained to our circumstance or we will allow God to change us through our circumstance. But the choice, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. And, and no one or nothing can take your song away. It's your song. Nobody can take that away from you. You are the only one that can decide if your song is taken away. So I don't know where this message finds you this morning. I don't know what painful, difficult situation you find yourself in this morning. But I do know this. God wants to change you through your circumstance. He wants to change you through your circumstance. The question is, will you allow him to? It begins with your thinking, taking every thought captive, soaking in God's truth so you know enough to kick out the thoughts that don't align and aren't obedient with him and to choose an attitude, a winning attitude that says, God is with me. The choice is yours. Lord, We can't do this on our own. We can't do this without your Holy Spirit moving and working in us. God, would you change us, conform us to your will? We want to be the men and the women that, that pray and praise you at the darkest hour of our lives, knowing that you never give a bad gift to your kids, knowing that you want to do something incredible through us and in us in spite of our circumstances. So God, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.